Welcome to the Wordsmith Podcast. I'm Josh Bennett, lead pastor at Awaken Church, joined by Matthew Grady Calhoun. Hey. And Jeremy Shane Suggs. Word. We are back for another week of the Wordsmith Podcast, and we're excited to be able to continue our talk today through the Sermon on the Mount. Fantastic opening question today for you gentlemen. Which fast food restaurant is the best, and which one is the worst? That is a pretty easy call for me. For me, and both of mine are chicken places. Um, really? Oh, I know not. where you're going with worst. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. So the best, hands down, uh, and this is objective, is Popeye's. Popeye's Man, is Popeyes. the best fa- fast food. I wish we had one here in Tifton. I do too. Um, man, I, and the, I love that um, the sprinkle thing that you put on the. It's a little packet of seasoning that you can actually hmm. get and put on. Oh, so never good, got man. that, but man, that oh, Cajun yeah. Louisiana fried chicken. Love it. Good. Love the red beans and rice. I like everything about them. It's that sweet heat sauce. The worst, and it's it's just trash. Bojangles. Bojangles is it's just it's not good. Man, you you just sent half of North Carolina into mm. revolt. Well, our two mm. listeners that are in North Carolina, <laughs> well, well can, you can email me, Shane, at Awaken Your Faith. So you, no Bojangles. No, no, I, I just do not like Bojangles at all. Interesting. Um, but slight, and I'm, I'm going to throw a third one in there just because it's on my mind. Slightly above Bojangles, but still no good Sonic. Do wow. not like. Oh, Sonic. I disagree. Do not like. Sonics, uh, and I'll tell you why. It's because the very first time I ever ate Sonic. I got sick. No. I got sick to my stomach and just never liked it since. Um, I now, that. I, I having that chili cheese coney, yeah, man, that's no, where it's at. Tots, just don't like it. Don't like Frito it at pie, all. Frito chili pie, mm, no. Ocean water. Uh, a, a couple of their little signature drinks are okay, but I don't really, you know, I don't care for those kind of drinks. But Jamie has gotten me one or two before, and I was like, oh, it's, it's okay. But yeah, it's it's slightly above Bojangles, but not by much. I mean, I like a good Bojangles. Yeah, there's, see, that's the thing. There's not one. <laughs> no, see, I, I I would agree with you to some level. I, I mean, I think Bojangles is pretty good all around, but their breakfast to me is great. I mean, they're one of the better breakfast restaurants yes. right up under Hardee's. Like biscuits. Yeah, I like Hardee's breakfast. I like Hardee's better than Bojangles, but slightly. I mean, that Cajun chicken filet biscuit, their sausage biscuits are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your I like the Bo Rounds. What's your favorite? I don't know. I'm going to let Pastor Matt go first. Yeah, I don't. All right, let me give you worse just because that, that's top of my head. Uh, Captain D's is, is by far the most awful really? thing. Really? What? I'd burn every what? single one. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> burn every single one of them to the ground if I could. Oh, oh I, no. I love Captain D's. Trash. Man, Captain D's, if it doesn't make my top, it's in my top five. Trash. Yeah, it's in, some, it's in my top five. No doubt. Wow. Trash. All Man. of them are awful. Uh, I really don't like Burger King either. So Burger King's Burger King low is, on the list okay. for me. Yeah. And so is it above Captain D's or lower? It's above Captain D's, but yeah. not by much. Because I can't. I couldn't even name. I can't name anything at Captain D's. It's been uh, that so. Fish. Off. It's been my so only off problem at Captain D's is I want to get everything. Yeah. When I walk in there, <laughs> I want everything. I want I want devil crab. I want shrimp. I want chicken. I want fish. Yeah. Now I want spicy fish. I haven't even tried that yet. Oh, Man, Jamie gets today. these little. Uh, town shopper coupons, you know, in the mail, and that's the only time we really go to uh, get something from Captain D's because they'll have like the the family fish meal or whatever mm-hmm. for like almost half price. And man, we'll get that. I mean, we'll have some left over. Yeah. But 
I, I don't know how much it costs now because we hadn't we hadn't got one of those coupons in a while. But they, it used to be like twenty four, twenty five dollars, and you could get it for like thirteen dollars for the family fish. And Jamie would all we'd always use that yeah. one. Yeah. Man, we used to get those coupons too when the United States Postal Service delivered our house. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's now, a different now, question. Well, now that I'm thinking about it, we haven't gotten those in three months, four months. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. No, we we get them before times. We, yeah. yeah, yeah. Back when I had a mail carrier that <laughs> cared. The best. Uh, all right, so I'm going to sort of give two answers, and this is my logic behind it. So if you're looking for, where some people when they say the best place is, there's a lot of stuff on the menu that's good. Okay. So if that's your definition of best, I'm actually it's a, probably a surprise. I'm going with McDonald's. McDonald's has been hated on for a really long time because of that documentary that came out, Supersize Me. And I understand it because their food, health-wise, is even to this day, is still not especially good. Right. But no fast food place food is actually healthy. But, man, McDonald's has a lot of good stuff. I don't know why people hate on McDonald's as much. Um, I love the chicken nuggets. I don't care what they're made of. I like no, the, the chicken nuggets are really good. I want to be ignorant of what the chicken nuggets are made of. Yeah. Um, they're the best chicken nuggets. Their milkshakes are great. If the machine's working. Well, that's true. Uh, double quarter pounder's great. Um, With cheese. Their chicken's not bad. I, it, it would be pretty low on the list because there's so many ch- other chicken places, but right. it's not a terrible chicken. Um, but then if you're talking about, if your definition of best is, this is just my favorite. It's the thing that I, I'd probably want. Actually, always been a Zaxby's person. Oh, man, I love Zaxby's. Always, yeah, always I like been a Zaxby's person. This is getting harder and harder as you guys talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get uh, the five-finger chicken finger plate. I've been getting that. When I was a teenager, I used to get 20 chicken uh, fingers or whatever and just consume them because I had a, I was a teenager with a teenager metabolism. Yeah. Um, can't sure. do that anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, man, the kicking chicken. Sandwich at Zaxby's, man, it's the best. Yeah, it's got it's. They basically, you know, they they toss the the chicken fingers in like the whatever they're hot. I know they got different names like the tongue torch and all that, and then they drizzle the ranch on it. I know you'd hate it, Josh. Yeah. Well, no, actually, I get it, but I get it with two different flavors of buffalo sauce and no ranch. No ranch. Yeah, man, I, I like What's it. It's the, messy. It's a messy sandwich. It's like a tiny sandwich type thing. Nibblers. Nibblers. Yeah, I like okay. those. Too. My kids like those. Mm-hmm. Man, you guys are making this really, really difficult for me. All right, so I'm going to go worst first because that I didn't even have to think about it. It's Burger King. I hate Burger King. Um, if I never ate another Burger King again, I would not care. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there that I like. Huh. Oh, and I did want to disagree with you about McDonald's. Go ahead. They have a lot of okay things on their menu. <laughs> I would not say they have a lot of good things. No. Okay. The the okay thing, the one good thing is the chicken nuggets. Everything else is, eh, it's okay. Double quarter pounder, yeah, it's okay. But yeah, anyway. I always think it's solid. I mean, every time I go to McDonald's, I'm like, yeah. I get yeah. double quarter pounder with cheese meal whenever I do eat mm-hmm. McDonald's, but I just don't. Yeah. Since I started eating better, I don't eat McDonald's anymore, but that was kind of my go to, man. I was like, yeah. I, it's that, I don't know, for some reason, it's comfort food to me. The double quarter pounder with cheese and fries, yeah. like, I don't know what it is. It's just, it, it's a comfort food. You probably just food. had those a lot of times in your life or something. Uh, it's yeah, a good solid maybe meal. so. Yeah. But. All right, and I'm going to cheat for the best. Cause I just can't narrow it down. I've got a top five, and I had like two before, but you guys keep adding stuff. <laughs> so I'm going to go at number five, Wendy's. I think Wendy's is probably the, yeah, the uh, Of all the good. traditional fast food places, just solid. I love their, yeah, their hamburgers. Solid. Their new chicken sandwiches are fantastic. The Baconator. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's hard to beat Wendy's. Um, Captain D's going to come in at number four. Love Captain D's. Um, in fact, 
Well, let me get my whole list here. Number three is going to be crystals. Yeah, I like I like crystals really late. Mm-hmm. If yeah. I'm eating really late, I want, yeah. I want or a long like if I'm on a road trip by myself, crystals. Sure. Okay, yeah, yeah, because you can that. just yeah, yeah. you know it kind of spreads it out and you can nibble on them and mm-hmm. I don't nibble. <laughs> I devour four or five, and then I start nibbling. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. Man, have you ever seen <laughs> the calorie maybe. count on their chili cheese fries? No, there? don't don't do that to me. Don't I do don't want to me. ruin it because you'd never Please be able to don't. eat them again. Because that used to be the only way their fries were edible was with chili and cheese. Mm. Yeah, but did you know now you can get the chili cheese tots? Oh, it's good. No, I got I it the other night. I, I can't get that. Yeah, man, it's good. Um, so what was that? That was number three was chilies. Number two is Zaxby's. Mm. Love Zaxby's, and number one. Is checkers, mm. man. I love checkers burgers. Yeah. They're mozzarella stick cheese fries. That mm-hmm. man, those mm-hmm. are good. If I'm going, if I'm ever in town, I'm trying to figure out what for lunch, what I want for lunch, and I'm just like checkers. Yeah, yeah. I'm going for the yeah. big. I don't ever eat there. Yeah, I mean, I've always you liked know. it every time I've eaten man, there. The but... burgers are just really good. Mm-hmm. It's not like one of those. And my dad, when I was growing up, not growing up, but maybe late high school years. He would always tell me that checkers was his favorite, and I'm like, and I've never even eaten checkers. What are you talking about? And now I get it. Yeah. Man, it's really good. When I was in Arizona, Zaxby's, Crystals, and Captain D's were the three things I craved the most because I didn't have them. So sure. we would almost right. always get those three things, or when you came at least back. two of the three when mm-hmm. we came back to visit. Yeah. I mean, it actually wouldn't even ask where we were stopping. We we're on the way back from the airport. She knew it was crystals. Like that's the first stop. Yeah. <laughs> that's and uh, Mike, which my kids love crystals. Yeah. My wife does not like crystals at all, but she yeah. doesn't think it's real meat because it's gray. I'm like, have you ever paid attention to hamburger meat when you brown it? It doesn't turn brown. It turns gray. Yeah. Like that's actually proof that it is real meat. Uh, she does not buy that. So <laughs> man, I got them onions on it too. Oh yeah. Now here's my only problem with crystals. Recently, when I've gotten crystal burgers, they're not very hot. The really? cheese is like this is. I been, thought they put them on that steamer tray before they put them in the to. box. They're supposed to, but I don't think they do that anymore because the last four or five I've went to, the cheese isn't even melted. Huh. Hmm. I think maybe they're trying to rush and they're skipping that step maybe or something because so. it needs that. It yeah. Needs yeah, that yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Steaming. All right, I'm gonna throw another question in on this, and I know we're going long, but I don't care. Most overrated fast food place. I mean, for me, it's it's a very easy answer. It's Chick Fil A. But I, we need to define what overrated means, which I know sounds silly, but apparently we do. Overrated is, is, is just doesn't live up to the hype. It does not right. live up to You're not to saying the, it's not good. Yes. Chick-fil-A is great. Who doesn't like Chick-fil-A? Um, Chick-fil-A is great. But the way people talk about Chick-fil-A. My father-in-law does not like Chick-fil-A. And he's a pastor. That way, doesn't seem like yeah. those things can go together. <laughs> the way people talk about Chick Fil A, it's just it's crazy to me. It's like it's good, dude, but like yeah. calm down. Um, <laughs> my father-in-law says McDonald's chicken sandwiches are better than Chick Fil A. The, the best like, thing, like nah. I think, I think Chick Fil A is solid. I think their food is solid. However, like the the their customer service is way above everybody else. Sure, but um, it's slacking. Have um, you been to our Chick Fil A recently? Uh. Yeah, yeah, like a week or so ago. I, I've noticed. We always I've had order on the people app, mention to so. me like it's the drive-through's taking a lot longer. I've been through there three times this year without them saying my pleasure. I said hmm. thank you. They're like okay. <laughs> like pretty sure you're supposed to get fired for that. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. actually that that's that's part of their culture, but it's actually not in their employee handbook to yeah. say that. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, it's I've, kind of I've something they. Slacking. They Here, I don't know them. if that's. I mean, I doubt that's true across the board. No, for me, product, but for me, no question. Most overrated is cookout. 
Mm. I think cookout is overrated. Everybody's like, oh, man, it's so that. cheap. And I get that. They got though. all this. Stuff. I said, eh. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't do. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's overrated to me. It's, yeah. I was really excited when they were first coming to town because it is pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, the food's, it's good. Maybe not great, but good. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like cookout. Have you ever gotten I, chili I dogs at cook do- cookout? Yeah. I've gotten pretty They're much. Chili dogs when Eden worked there, I mean, I got a lot of sure, stuff from sure. cookout. She'd, you know, bring. I, I, I mean, the best thing about cookout is their milkshakes to me. Their oh, milkshakes yeah. Milkshakes are good. Very good. Um, but yeah, they're just. Uh, that's good. Okay, so for me, this is going to mean nothing to 95% of our listening audience, maybe one or two people's do this, but it's in and out Burger. in and out Burger is a big West Coast thing, California thing, supposed to be the greatest thing in the world. And it's okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'd rather have a Wendy's hamburger than an in and out Burger. It's, it's kind of like the Chick-fil-A of the West Coast. Sure. And they are a Christian-owned company. Um, mm-hmm. they put a Bible verse on the very, like you have to turn your cup upside down and look in the inside of the upside down to find it, but it's there, but it's just, it's an okay burger. Their big thing is they got a secret menu, but it's not really sure. secret because everybody yeah. knows about it <laughs> and their sauce is supposed to be amazing, but I'm pretty sure it's just thousand Island dressing. Yeah. I've eaten there one time. In my it was life. just okay. Wasn't it? I don't remember it, so I guess I guess yeah, it was yeah. just okay because I don't really – it wasn't like, man, I wish we had one of these. I, and it, I don't remember yeah. ever thinking that. They're on every corner in – I mean, pretty much all the western states, and people fly out there like, i got to have an In-N-Out burger. And I'm just like, Lord bless yeah. your soul. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's a good burger, yeah. good milkshake, yeah. good fry. They, they fresh cut their fries, kind of like um, Five Guys. They got, like, yeah, fresh I can't believe Five Guys didn't come up on our list anywhere. I'll take my family to Five Guys. It's 60 bucks. Oh, ain't no doubt. And Man, it's just so expensive. And so that was kind of something I almost defined early on. But it's like, does that even classify as fast food? It's more fast casual, I think. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, some people obviously have different de- – some people consider Chipotle a fast food place. Yeah. Which, I mean, it sort of technically is because you can get in and get out. But I feel like it, for me, it's a you got to have a drive through and it has to be kind of be known yeah. as a fast food place. Like if you have to, it's sort of like the old line about whether or not somebody, whether or not an athlete belongs in the Hall of Fame. If you if have you to have think to. about it, probably yeah. not. Yeah. 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 See, Panda Express is high on my list too. Yeah. Panda. See, I wouldn't ca- consider that. Fast but they food. have a drive-through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I still wouldn't consider them fast yeah. food. Though. I wish we had a Panda Express. Do you like Panda Express? Oh yeah, I like Panda Express. My girls love it. Yeah. We, I mean, uh, if we had one, 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 I would I eat there pretty Austin, regularly. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. That's good. All right, well, let's move on into more important topics today with the Bible. We're going to be continuing our discussion on the Sermon on the Mount with Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Pastor Shane, can you read that for us? Yeah. Don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Very, very popular passage of Scripture, Mm -hmm. uh, which a lot of the Sermon on the Mount is, but um, these are certainly passages that are familiar to most believers. Uh, Lots of sermons have been preached out of these verses. So let's just kind of dive in. He starts out in verse 19. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Uh, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, whether where neither moth nor rust destroys, where things where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What does this look like in the everyday life of a believer? And we'll dive in a little bit later in our deep dive into sure. even some more practical advice and wisdom on this. But you know, what is how does it, how does it look to live these verses out? Well, I think it's, and, and of course, the the subsequent verses kind of allude to this. It's it's more about um, where your focus is at, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily that it's a sin to actually have things or sure. like have a car or a house or something along those lines. Um, I, I heard an old pastor, and and you know sometimes you you remember these sort of things, but he said it's okay to have things as long as your things don't have you. When he was preaching mm-hmm. on this this particular um, section of Scripture. Uh, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And I think, ultimately, I think that's the, the heart of where this is at. You can have things. Yeah. Um, and, and David Guzik said the more literal translation of this from the Greek would have said, do not treasure for yourself treasures on earth. And, and that's, you know, what, what do you find comfort in? What do you actually, what is your life about? Is it about, you know, the old bumper sticker that said, uh, he who dies with the most toys wins, you know? Yeah, sure. uh, and that was kind of a mindset, especially I think that came out like the eighties, which was a, you know, they call it the decade of decadence for a reason, yeah, you know? Sure. So, yeah, no, I think, uh, it's, again, it's sort of, uh, a broad answer, but I, we'll be discussing it more with the deep dive is to live the way Christ lived, which is Christ was the owner, creator, sustainer of everything. <laughs> Yet, he had a very humble existence, yet he, he depended completely upon his father and spent most of his time and his effort communing with him in prayer and in uh, quiet time and then spent some time going about and being kind and being a good neighbor, so to speak, of everybody. I, I think that's the sort of the general idea here is one of the realities is greed steals from us. Greed steals contentment from us. It, it steals joy from us, this idea of greed or envy or whatever it is. And then also there's an aspect in that um, we all are of little faith, so to speak. And it's like we want to treasure and, and put our lives and build our lives around something. There's something in the human heart, the way God designed us, is that 
we have to give worth, we have to worship something, we have to give praise to things, we have to build our life around some idea or some place or something, and for whatever reason, in our sinful state, it's so much easier to do that with something we can hold in our hand or something we can point to instead of something that's truly in heaven, the things that ultimately matter sure. the most. And that's really, that's the heart of why idol worship was so strong. Uh, why, I always hate saying was so strong because it's still strong. Yeah, it just looks different. <laughs> it just looks different. But that's why idol worship is the way it is, because here's this thing, here's this God or whatever. It, it, he's right here before me. He's in my house. It, it's so much easier to be able to do that when you can point to it and you can hold it up and you can show others. Well, the Israelites at the bottom of the mountain while Moses was up there with God, they wanted a God they right. could put their hands on. Mm-hmm. Sure. And <clears throat> we're very good at creating those. Um, as you were speaking there, I was thinking about the song that we sing, Build My Life. Yeah. And, um, you know, I will build my life on Pat Christ. Barrett. Yeah, it's a great song. Mm-hmm. I think of the words here of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians and in Colossians, set your mind on the things that are above. And I think that's what he's calling us to do here. And you look at the big context of this. This is all about Jesus establishing his kingdom. The Women's Bible Study, they're doing Bible Study Through the Sermon on the Mountain. It's called Living the Upside Down Kingdom or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And I like that terminology because that's what Jesus was doing. He was literally flipping everything upside down for us. And he says your finances are part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the things that you value financially um, are part of this kingdom mindset. They're not separate mm-hmm. from it. It's not something you isolate or compartmentalize away from your faith, that our finances are very much a part of our spiritual life. Right. And if we don't realize that, if we don't operate in that way, then we're holding some things back from God that he intends for everything to be his and everything mm-hmm. to be influenced by him and to be used for his kingdom. And so I think um, that's clearly the principle of this passage and then the next few verses are, are a little strange to me, um, mainly because everything else in this passage of Scripture is so easy and straightforward. And then these two verses are kind of like make you stop for a second. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? What mm. is he talking about? I believe what he is talking about is he is making reference to a culturally well cultural for their time and, and their place. The Jews had a saying about an evil eye and an evil eye was envious and covetous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he was making reference to that. And it, it's, uh, and he's almost saying you have to be single minded. You can't be like double minded. Um, and so I think that's what he was actually making reference um, to. And it's, it's, it's basically saying, when they were talking about this, it's basically saying you can't look left and right at the same time. You, right. know, you know, you have to, you can't look towards the darkness and to the light. At the, you got to look one, with the context, one way yeah. or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I believe he was bringing light to that. But I think it's still tied into, you know, the, yeah. of course, the verses before and after. I still think he's talking about money. And, and, um, you know, and so. so that that for me, I didn't do any reading on these verse, and but I I looked to the context. I was like, let me see if I can get this out of the context, um, because I think it, it's there. And obviously, before he's talking about finances, after he's talking about finances, so sure. he's got to be talking about finances. And so as I read it with that lens over these verses, I went straight. I, he's got to be talking about coveting. I mean, that's yeah. that's yeah, sure. where my mind went. It's not. A clear reading, but when you put mm-hmm. the lens of the context over it, it becomes pretty clear to me yeah. that I think it's referring the, yeah, to that, yeah, yeah. Like when I when I was researching these verses, like a cultural background research, that's they were saying that 
the the Jews would have been um, very well aware of what he meant because uh, an evil eye was a common saying when someone was coveting or envious or and like Matthew alluded to earlier, you know, um, greed. All yeah. those would have been kind of understood in that, and so he was mm-hmm. he was saying, you know, that's that's not the right way to to be. Yeah, I think part of, too, what he's speaking to here is this idea that he's kind of presented before and and will come up again. It's this idea of wholeness, and wholeness for the Christian is the idea of your whole life is um, subservient and part of the way God's kingdom is now, or the way that God's kingdom is, and it's in breaking into this world, and he's trying to show people how this is. So the idea of envy is that it's envy presses this idea that I'm incomplete, that I don't have what I need, right. which actually will link later when he starts talking about um, the sparrow and the flowers of the field and Solomon, um, this idea that envy is I, I need more, I need more, I need more, because you're never ultimately satisfied with right. what you got. There's there's always going to be more. So it's the opposite of this. And also the the eye of the lamp thing he, he's alluding to, and there's uh, scholars are not in agreement because in the ancient e- Near East at this time, there was this idea that the eye kind of lit the world around you. So he could be referring to that, or it could be a more modern understanding as the eye is just is the light reflects off of the eye or whatever. So if you have a bad eye, you can't see the world as it is. One of the books I've been reading for the Sermon on the Mount or whatever, he spent uh, several pages just on this one idea. <laughs> and he said, he, he, he ultimately, he has a leaning himself but they ultimately both mean the same thing, and it's, mm-hmm. it's ultimately context makes clear what he's talking about here, is that it, you can't have that evil eye because that is opposed to God's kingdom because the right. evil eye is about more and my greed and what I need and what I want and trusting on yourself as opposed to trusting in your Heavenly Father. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it, that's the beauty of, like, understanding context and looking at the Bible and going— cause, Man, you could if you just pick the Bible up and you just read those two verses, man, you could go a lot of different directions. Oh yeah, absolutely. With those words, but when you look at it in the and people do. meaning, oh yes, sure, yeah, they do. It's also a warning to us in the society that we live in that's so full of greed, and and not even like greed is a bad thing. People view greed as a good thing. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of the American dream is built of, on uh, greed. What was, uh, gecko, um, the uh, Gordon Gecko, Gordon Gecko, greed. Yeah. Is good, yeah. You know, he had that whole whole speech, and which which that movie was made in the eighties, and that, like I said before, yeah. that was the decade of decadence, and mm-hmm. and you know, extra was just not enough, you know. Yeah. So, and I mean, that's certainly the mantra of today's culture. Sure, there's never enough. I never heard of a rich person that said, "You know what? Got enough. I'm yeah. gonna stop trying to get." Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right about that. It's the it's a never ending cycle, um, but I've known a lot of people that had open hands, generous giving, living mm-hmm. biblical principles that were more than content and satisfied with what they had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, God's principles do work. And then he goes on talking about you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. Um, why is it impossible to serve two masters? I think for one, just thinking practically, is uh, you think if you had two bosses, you'd, you'd live a lot of your life confused Especially if they were disagreeing, so you're like, okay, which one do I actually have to listen to? 
Um, am I listening to this one or am I listening to that one? So you, like, you don't know how to live your life. You don't know how to do your job, so to speak, correctly. And so th- then that leads to anxiety and worry and all these sort of things because you, you don't know what direction to go in. So mm-hmm. just from a practical point of view. When you talk about these two specifically, uh, money and God, you're talking about two masters that are pulling in completely opposite directions. Mm-hmm. And the principles of trying to build a financial kingdom for yourself are the exact opposite of the principles of trying to build the godly kingdom, the, yeah. the kingdom that, of Christ. And so you can't go both directions. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of believers try to do is they try to um, create a dichotomy here. That's like, well, my money and my finances don't really impact my church life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Francis Schaeffer had some great thoughts on this. And, you know, Pastor Matt earlier was talking about your wholeness and all those things. But, you know, Francis Schaeffer talked about the fact that the Christian life isn't the upper story of our life with everyday life being the lower level. It, yeah. it's, it's one level. It's one house. It, yeah. Everything, the way that I treat my finances is a direct reflection on my relationship with Christ. Sure. You know, and um, I think that's why it, Jesus didn't say your treasure should be in heaven so that your heart will be. He says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. That They're tied yeah. together. That yeah. It's a natural it, thing that if your heart's in the right place, your treasure's going to be there too. Right, mm-hmm. and it, it tends to be a pitfall many times for men because we, I don't, I don't know if naturally would be the correct term, but it, it seems to be more prevalent in men. We compartmentalize so many things. Right. Uh, I, I've worked with a lot of guys that, uh, their work life was their work life, but when they get home, it's their home off. life. Uh, women don't seem to be that way. Like if they have a bad day at work, they have a bad day when they yeah. come home, um, or you know whatever they you know they need to talk, they need to get off the chair, whatever. The, but men seem to compartmentalize these sort of things, and so a lot of times we we do that with the where I well I could I can serve money over here and I can serve God over there, but then it's it's sometimes it's too late when we realize yeah that really didn't work. You know? Right. No, you can't serve too much. And it's amazing how clear Christ is about this and about this specific topic, yet it's the one I see the most often that Christians are trying to serve both and, yeah. mm-hmm. and don't see the conflict there that Jesus pointed out so clearly. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe it's just because inside we're all very greedy, covetous people. And I think so. Yeah. As Apostle Paul said, when the law told me do not covet, my mind created or my flesh created covetousness of all sorts. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Seeking an opportunity. So, and then he goes into um, verses 25 through 33, which I would just sum up by saying, don't worry, be happy now. Um, He talks about anxiety and what to do during your anxiety and um, how to face those issues. So how do verses 25 through 33 provide us comfort in times of anxiety? I I didn't realize this probably when I was a teenager, but I realize it now. When I was a teenager, I had a safety net at home. Um, I, I didn't realize, and I—I I mean, because you, you tend to kind of worry about whatever stage of life you're in, and, and my kids don't see it now. They will maybe, uh, Lord willing, when they get to be my age, that they got a safety net. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to let them—I'm not going to let them ha- not have what they need. Sure. And I—I I think um, because God is a good, good Father. Sometimes we don't realize that same thing. He's like, he's basically saying, like, do you, do you think I'm not going to let you have what you need? Like, when have I ever done that? When have yeah. I ever not 
let anything I've created not have what it needs. Yeah. And so he's, and how much more mm-hmm. uh, precious mm-hmm. are you uh, than all these other things? Sure. I mean, you're the only one that's made in my likeness. He doesn't say that here, but it's at least, you know, inferred. But, yeah. you know, you're made in my image. How much more would I take care of you than I would mm-hmm. all these other things? Uh, but I think sometimes we don't realize, just like when we were teenagers, we didn't realize that, hey, w- w- you know, if we had good parents, yeah. we had a safety net. Well, you know, and clearly here he's referring to the anxieties of financial needs and yeah, chasing that dollar. Well, mm-hmm. you know, wanting clothes and housing, and you know the the worries of this world of being sure. provided for financially. And he's saying, you know, God's going to take care. You know, this doesn't become a verse of laziness. Oh, that doesn't mean to go well. God, he closed the birds. I have, Sometimes you know, it gives you opportunity to work. Right. Yeah. You know? And so, but it is, it, if you're following after God and his kingdom, you're doing what you're supposed to do, which includes hard work and all those things. Sure. God will provide for you. Um, he will take care of you. And, you know, that does provide comfort to the believer. And it may not always look the way we want it to be. No, like, no he may not provide for me a Mercedes, mm-hmm. which I hope he doesn't because I don't think I could afford repairs on it <laughs> if I needed to. <laughs> you know, but God does provide for us what we need when we need it. Um, in this area, if we seek him first. And that's the principle that he says here, seek first the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. And you begin to ask, what principles do we learn about God in this, that he's a providing father, that he cares, he's invested in the mm-hmm. lives of his followers and believers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, to live and to be part of God's kingdom is to live in a world of abundance. And that is so very hard for me to actually believe. <laughs> I, intellectually, I know that is true. I do. But in my heart, I don't really believe Because <laughs> I, I, it, it's similar to the idol thing I mentioned earlier, is I want to see it. I, I want it here now. I want it to be tangible. I want to be able to explain it. I want to be able to um, at least have the appearance of understanding it, which is not what God offers. But what God offers is everything that I need. Yeah. You know, and it reminds me of Romans chapter 8. Pastor Shane preached on this week. He said, what good is it to hope for the things that you can see? Not to hope for it if you can see it. That's right. Very true. And he is a loving care. And, and like, going back to Romans 8 and tying that into this, is to understand God has my best interest at heart. That's right. That he cares and invests. And so he he knows what I need more than I know what I need. And he's going to provide for me. That's true. Um, what I need, and, you know, sometimes what I need is difficulty. You know, um, a lot of times, I don't know about you guys, but I so often can conflate what I need and what I want. Sure. Um, yeah, those things I, mixed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I so often like, no, like this is something I need, but then sometimes in, when you're looking in that rear view mirror, you're like, oh yeah, I really didn't need it. I, I just wanted that. I wanted that to happen because it would have made things a little easier or whatever. But I, I think a, a lot of times it's, it's just because God, maybe he's dealing with your heart or something like that. Right. Um, where he's like, hey, you, you need to do without for a little bit, you know, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And then in verse 34, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, worry about itself. How easy or how difficult is it to live those verses out? Well, I wouldn't say easy in any sense of the word. It's it is a difficult thing. But the if when you go with the end of it, each day has enough trouble of its own. And man, has that not been everybody's experience? Everybody listening knows that to be true. Like you don't want to borrow from tomorrow. Yeah. And, and we do this so often. I, I did this. I've said I've done this with my kids. You know, they're they're infants. I'm like, man, I can't wait till you can 
you know, walk by yourself or talk or, you know, something like that. And then when they get there, I'm like, I can't wait. You can stay by yourself where I don't have to, you know, babysit you, which if it's your kids, it's not babysitting. It's called parenting. Mm -hmm. But like, hey, I, I, you know, I wish you could stay by yourself or I wish you could drive yourself. Like you're always wishing or I was always wishing for the next stage of life instead of enjoying where my kids were at at that moment. Because I'm like, man, it'll be great when we get here. And then when we get there, it's like, oh, it'll be great when we get here. Um, I think we do that in a lot of areas of our life. Me and Jamie first married. Everything in our house was a hand-me-down, except for our TV. I bought that. But uh, I was like, man, I can't wait till you know, we were renting. And it's like, I can't wait till we can afford our own place. And then uh, after we could afford our own place, I can't wait till we can afford a bigger place. Or, you know, all, you, you kind of do this in so many different areas of your life. I can't wait till we get – instead of just – and I know this sounds weird, but enjoy, enjoying the struggle. And, sure. and and we did. Like, I, I, I'm i glad we didn't have enough money now to buy new furniture when we had our first apartment. Because we can look back and we can enjoy. Like, everything that we have, we got together by God's grace, you know. And we can look back and like, man, I remember we didn't have – like, our couch was sitting on bricks. Yeah. Like, we, mm-hmm. you know – um. Jamie's bed was like the the uh, spindles on it were chewed up by a dog. Well, and what's funny is living, looking at the principles of these passages we're seeing today, you look back at those times of life and you go, I wasn't any less happy then. That's right. You, That's you, right. you weren't less happy when you were sitting in lawn chairs in the living room than right. a nice couch. Mm-hmm. So happiness, joy, fulfillment, peace, all those things don't come from having nice things. That's right. I just wish we could, we could have sat there and enjoyed that because that – you know, you. I'm worried about tomorrow. I'm worried about the next stage and, and that yeah. sort of thing. But then you find out, oh, it's it's got a whole new set of problems. You know, yeah, the next stage of life, the next stage of parenting, the next stage of marriage, all of them have their own set of problems that you'll have to navigate. So just enjoy the problems you have right now and don't borrow from the problems of the future. Yeah. Well, and so much of worry is a down payment on a bill that may never come. That's right. You know, you worry about things that seldom ever come true, and if they do come true, they're not as bad as what you worried about them being or, sure. you know, whatever for the most part. And so it, it is a difficult principle to live, but it's maybe a verse we should remind ourselves every day. Don't worry about tomorrow's problems. They will be enough of them tomorrow to worry about themselves. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a minute for our deep dive into the idea of should Christians have savings accounts, retirement accounts, and all those sorts of things in light of these verses. We'll be back in just a minute. We are back for our deep dive, and today we're going to deep dive into the idea of savings accounts, retirement accounts, and all those different things, because a hyper-literal reading of these verses would make you think Christians can never save money, Christians can never put up money for retirement. So, one, can Christians do those things? And two, if so, how do we balance that out with these verses? I would say Christians should do those things. Uh um, because I, if we take a whole reading of scripture, because we got to remember, the f- the focus here is not on those sort. The focus here is on worry and focusing on temporal things, and so that's where like that's the admonition here, 
it's not preparing for the future. That's not the focus of this, which having a savings account or a retirement account, uh, the, and a good example would be like an Old Testament. Um, you had Abraham and Lot. They were, um, they were family. They were businessmen. They were very wealthy. And Abraham looked out at the land, and he's like, uh, basically, hey, if you go right, I'll go left. If you go left, I'll go right. You know, he, he was not focused on the temporal. He was focused on God. Like, if whichever way I go, God's going to take care of me. That was Abraham's mindset. But Lot looked out, and it's like, well, you know what? These lands over here will be way better for my business than those lands over there. So I'm going to do that. He was looking at the temporal. And so, uh, of course, we know everything that bad that happened a lot. And and Abraham still continued to prosper because his he looked to the Lord for his sustainer. Lot looked to his own ability, his own uh, business-mindedness to sustain him. And so I think that's what these verses are getting at. And, and not to worry uh, in those things more so than, hey, you should prepare. Because I think it's good stewardship to to prepare for the future, you know. I mean, there's oh, sure. there's all kind of psalms that they teach us. I'm going to read one real quick. It says, uh, Psalm 2120 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Uh, basically saying, hey, it's mm-hmm. it's a wise thing. Because here, here's the deal. Um, and... and since I was crawling under a house this morning trying to fix some plumbing, um, I know this to be true. You you can't hold up forever. Yeah. So what do you do then when you can't you can't draw a paycheck? You can't you won't be employed. Uh, now there are some occupations that you may have where you could go longer than others. Like construction work, you can't go as long. If you um, worked in an office, maybe you could go a little longer as far as like physically. But I mean, you're, you're, even in those situations, your mental capacity diminishes at a certain age. So you can't really do what you did before mentally. So what do you do in those situations? You, you, you have to have some, something to be able to sustain you and to live by. So I think that would be prudent. I think that would be wise. Mm-hmm. No, I would agree. I think savings account, saving money is all part of the being a good steward. I, I do think it is wise to remember, we don't want to completely sort of neuter his warning here, though, is that is it, a lot of times there's both sins of commission and sins of omission, right? Sins of commissions are things you choose to do. Sins of omission are things you just fail to do. And so sometimes as you get busy and you get caught up in life, you end up, not intentionally, you end up following the course of the world and you could start making decisions based off of your financial reality to the extent to where you're not being a good steward. You're really just worried about your present life or the life to come sure. or the well, the days to head, so to speak. Um, so we don't want to completely newer that, obviously, by any means. But, no, the, the ultra, ultimately literal, overly literal way of reading this, it, it doesn't compute with the rest of Scripture, the script passages right. you just read, the the talents parable, even he, he chastises the servant who just kept the money. Like you could at least got interest. And he, I don't think he's in, uh, endorsing interest there, but he's saying like, look, you at least could have done that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot of multiple passages where you could apply sure. to. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think it is wise to be mindful of that. You know, when I was reading for this, it reminded me, so there's a pastor we've talked about for his name, John Piper. 
one I was going to mention him. Yeah, one of the most influ- influential. That's how you say that word. One of the most influential uh, evangelical uh, American evangelical pastors, and he one of his most famous sermons is what is often referred to as the seashell sermon. Uh, years and years ago, he was preaching and he lifted up an example of um, these two women who, in later years of life, I want to say they were seventies, in their later years of life, they chose. They felt like God was calling them to be missionaries. They went out and they, you know, trained and got prepared and they went and they served for uh, I can't remember how long, but a certain amount of time. Uh, and then they actually tragically ended up dying as they were serving um, in the mission field. And he contrasted their lives with the lives of sort of the American dream. This idea of you save up enough money, then one day you can retire and you and and you and your spouse can just enjoy your final days of life and walk up and down the beach and collect seashells and whatever ones that stand out to you. He said, which one of these things is worthwhile? Which one of these kind of approaches to life says, this is something, uh, this speaks to a kingdom that is not of this world. And what has happened is people have taken that very good example, I thought, and almost kind of made it sound like he was opposed to retirement. <laughs> and yeah. He was opposed to collecting seashells uh, and enjoying your later days. I don't think that's what he's saying. He's saying, like, when these people spent in uh, their life and their energy serving a kingdom that's not of this world that they didn't even see yet. They're still hoping. They can't see it yet. They're still hoping for. Um, whereas the others live selfishly. Their heart was in this present world and their own treasures and their own things. Yeah. Um, that's a very good thing to be mindful of and and to meditate on and to pray about as we are saving money for retirement and um, yeah. enjoying our, our present lives and, and uh, having additions to our homes and, and going out on vacations. It doesn't oppose those things, but it is something that time to time, it, God in his kindness kind of reminds you, like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> wait yeah. a minute. What are you actually doing with your money? Yeah, I was going to mention yeah. John Piper in, in that message. Uh, because Don't waste your life. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think yeah. a lot of people, it got a bad rap, I guess, or bad press. From uh, some people. I mean, a it lot was of, really a lot impactful of for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, because I think some people didn't listen to the whole message. Mm-hmm. And they kind of took sound bites, basically, and then they're like, "Oh, he's he's saying, you know, you can't do this, or you got to do that." Um, But yeah, yeah, a lot of people look back to that sermon as kind of the flame that lit for the Passion Conferences. It was kind of the the first big, and it was out of left field. People didn't see it coming, and it was really Mm -hmm. challenging. And people forget too; he wasn't talking to retirees; he was talking to college students. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But his principle is right: don't waste your life. And so I, I do want to bring balance to it because I do think you can you should save. I think you should retire. I mean, I've got a retirement account. We got savings accounts. All those things. I think those are really important. But I think we can do that too much. Yeah, sure. I think we can save with the intention of not having to worry about God providing for us. I think we can look towards retirement in a way that blinds us to the kingdom, to where that that's what we look forward to. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying retirement, but I think there is something wrong with wasting retirement. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. of your life on this earth should matter for the kingdom. Yeah. And so I don't think at some point you go, you know what? I, I'm just, I'm done with what God wants me to do here on earth, and I'm going to enjoy these 10 years before he takes me to heaven or whatever. And by the way, nine years is the average retirement, um, I guess the lifespan of retirement for people yeah. from the time they quit working to the time that yeah, they Yeah, that's died. what they usually do all the projections off of is about nine years. Not, yeah. yeah, and so, you know, you, the idea you're going to live your whole life for 
nine years. And then, you know, we've both used the illustration before of the rope of how long eternity is in sure. relation to our lifetime, sure. much less nine years. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of times our, our focus is I want to enjoy my life and then I'll sprinkle a little Jesus stuff in there. Sure. And usually I think that's to kind of relieve guilt in our lives. Like I don't, I don't feel so bad yeah. about who I am because yeah. because I, I do have a little Jesus in there. I'm doing a little bit of good, but my life is really about me. And, I, and I'll give Jesus kind of what's left over. Yeah. Um, and I think the, uh, the whole intent of much of this Sermon on the Mount is who's getting the best of you. It's like an old Foo Fighter song, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, who's getting the best of you? Yeah. Is, is Jesus getting the best of you or are you getting the best of you? Because yeah. right. if you're getting the best of you, then, then you need to realign. Yeah, right. You're, you need to realign some things. Yeah. And um, I, I'm going to hit a pet peeve here, and then we can move on from our deep dive. Along the same line, a pet peeve of mine are churches that store up massive amounts of money. Sure. And, and a lot of times their argument is, well, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Like, uh, there's literally a Bible verse about that. <laughs> um, I think it's smart for churches to, you know, we have a bank account. We try not to let it drop under certain amounts. And, I mean, yeah. new church, it's not a large bank account, but we try not to let it drop under but I hope we never get to a place where we're just hoarding hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, I think it's different if you say, hey, we're saving X amount of money towards building a new sanctuary or sure. towards this project. But I nest eggs. And I've got a preacher friend. He yeah. preached on this at an association meeting one time. He said, I think there's going to be a lot of accountability to God for these nest eggs of money that could have been used to impact the world for the gospel that they were like, well, we may need new carpet in 37 years. Yeah, you're going to need new carpet in 37 years, but worry right. about the kingdom That's the nature right now. of carpet. Right. Yeah. I think um, I read something on that the other day. They say they advise most churches to keep between 50 and 60% of whatever your budget is in savings, like in savings. So that way, um, for not, not, it's not really a rainy day fund. I guess it sort of is, but it's basically so that you can continue to do ministry whenever, if things fall on hard times. But they just suggest, hey, to have this much and then. After that, though, you know, you just you can spend, yeah. you know, uh, but you need to save to a point to where, hey, if, you know, if, you know, something yeah. were to happen, uh, you know, we were we would be able to still do ministry and still reach people for a prolonged period of time. So yeah. um, I, I think there's definitely a balance in all these things. Sure. There's a balance between saving and hoarding. There's a balance mm-hmm. between being prepared and being anxious about tomorrow. And so I hope that it will help us to, in all of our financial beings, whether it's for our church or individuals, for anybody, that we make decisions based on the kingdom financially, not on our personal ambitions. All right, that's been our deep dive today. And we'll be back in just a minute to wrap up this episode of the Wordsmith Podcast. Okay, we are back to wrap up this episode of the Wordsmith Podcast. What do you guys take away from these very, very popular verses of Scripture out of the Sermon on the Mount? Uh, to always be mindful. The, I mean, the 
no doubt the the key verse in all of that was seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness mm-hmm. and then all these things will be provided for you um which uh, I don't know if it was you or Pastor Matt that said it but that, that's a really hard thing to do mm-hmm. um it, at least to to the level where we're called to do it so it's, it was I mean it's a great reminder it's it's always convicting but it's always encouraging too but uh I think that's my my key takeaway is the I need to be mindful to do that every day. Uh, and, I, and I've actually preached a message on it before, you know, about seeking his kingdom the first of each day, the first of each year, you know, those sort of things, um, a lot of first. Yeah, I mean, I think, especially referring to verses 25 through 34, this idea that we live in a world of abundance, that our Father in heaven loves us better than we can conceive and understand uh, um, he is going to provide for us in ways that we don't even understand and not even uh, just provide, but like abundantly, mm-hmm. um, and especially in the things that ultimately matter. So if that's true, so if I live in this world of abundance um, that God's kingdom is, how can I then make my life decisions around that idea? How can I better integrate this idea that God's going to provide and take care of me so how can I better step out in faith? How can I better serve him? How can I better fall after him without fear, without discontentment? And again, I don't think that's a question you ever really get a hard answer to, but I do think it, it can lead you to uh, the direction that God's ultimately wanting you to go, the way he's preparing for it, because he knows where you're going to end up. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good thing to, to meditate on from time to time. And I, it's ultimately what I often think about when I come across these verses. I mean, my takeaway would be what Pastor Shane's takeaway and Jesus' takeaway was seek first the kingdom of God. All these other things will take care of themselves. But since Pastor Shane took that one, I'll go to really another major takeaway for me in this. I cannot serve God in money. I got to choose. Yeah. I, every right. time I look at a bill in my wallet, I have to remind myself, I have to choose God over money. Like I think that's that's, right. a, that's a healthy principle for believers to do. Every financial decision you make, I have to choose God over money. Um, and even in those ways, I think sometimes you got to choose your family over money too. Um, sure. And that, but when you decide, you know what, I'm going to serve God, all those other things fall into place. Money has a, a healthy place in the life of a believer if they're serving God and their mindsets mm-hmm. on the kingdom. People have misquoted. Um, the verse out of Timothy for way too long, they say money is the root of all sorts of evil, or all evil. No, the love of money is the roots of all sorts of kinds right. of so evil. So you could be broke, and that verse would still apply, yes. apply to you. And you could be rich, and it not apply to you. Right, exactly. The question is, are you serving God, or are you serving mm-hmm. money? And it is a beautiful thing when the believer's heart is in on the gospel and on Jesus and God blesses them financially and those blessings just become a part of God's kingdom and his work. And they have plenty for them. They have plenty to give. They have plenty to serve. And then sometimes God wants us to be poor and broke. And then, by the way, it's not our job to figure out who's supposed to be poor and who's supposed to be rich and who's supposed to be blessed beyond measure and mm-hmm. all those different things. Just serve God and let him take care of it. Trust in That's him. Right. Seek him and his kingdom. Man, what a great discussion, and we'll be back next week for another episode of the Wordsmith Podcast. No matter how you listen to us, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, almost anywhere the podcasts are played. We thank you for listening. Like us, review us, share it with a friend, and we'll be back next week. And we have a special guest for you guys next week. We're going to be introducing Austin Long. He's our new worship pastor here 
at Awaken Church. And we're going to have him on next week's podcast. And he's going to be introducing himself to you. So make sure you join us next week. 